If you're in Canada last month, you may have filled out an online survey from the federal government asking your thoughts on certain medical aid in dying questions. The reason is that the government is reviewing the law with the possibility of updating it. There are various criteria for qualifying for a medically assisted death in Canada. One has to do with your ability to consent to the procedure. Another has to do with how imminent your death is. Both these criteria are being challenged. The proposal is that you no longer have to have a terminal illness where death is imminent in order to qualify. Also, they are looking at what is referred to as advance request, which means that you can ask for a medically assisted death when you are diagnosed with a terminal disease years before your death is imminent. That's for people who have cognitive degenerative issues like Alzheimer's who may not be able to consent when their death is imminent. Needless to say, what has happened in every other single jurisdiction where euthanasia or assisted suicide are legal is now happening in Canada. The safeguards that are put in place in order to prevent abuses are the first thing to go. That's it, Canada. Let's remove all the safeguards so that anyone, no matter their circumstances or their age or condition, can get euthanized if they want to. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another new episode of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And I'm Emily Callen. And yeah. it's so good to have Emily back with <laughs> yes, us. Yes, it is. How sad that we just get really excited. I mean, it's not how sad. sad. <laughs> no, it's just like, how it's such a simple thing. All we need to do is just bring Emily exactly. into the studio with us <laughs> and we're just happy. Um, so it's great to have Emily with good us. Good to be here. Um, which means that Emily's going to be doing her segment and she'll tell us about that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Um, but just a reminder, because we haven't been doing the Facebook Live for a while because we've been doing doing uh, best of episodes of the Salt and Light Hour. A reminder, if you don't know where to listen to the show, saltandlighttv.org. Send us uh, messages at radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm also on, on, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Deacon Pedro GM, Billy. At B. Joe Chen. And Emily? At Emmy Callen. Do you want people to write to you, Emily? Of course I do. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> All the time. So anyway, um, so we're kind of back to our usual format. Uh, Matteo is going to join us nice. from Rome. He's got some, uh, people might know that there's been some uh, some things, some news some happening movement. in Rome. Yes. Some movement in Rome. So Matteo is going to tell us about that. And and Emily, you're going to tell us uh, about your this recent place. travel. Yes, to Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Am I allowed Marie. to say that? It's not too not ruining. No, no, the no. In case yeah, people Marie. might not know where Sault Ste. Marie is, unless they live in Northern Minnesota. Northern Ontario, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and you're going to tell us about something you discovered on Manitoulin Island. That surprised wow. you yes. on Manitoulin Island. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's uh, coming very shortly. Um, and then Billy, you will have a question. Yes, the question has been a lot of people asking me about again about communion. About communion. Yes, but we will talk more okay, about those that. are hard questions. Very hard, and and uh, we'll we'll do our best to answer. Anyway, um, I have these three books here, guys. Three books. Three books. Are they the same? Um, do they look like they children's look like, books? They look like comic books. They look like comic books. Yeah. Well, they're they're kind of junior reader books. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Um, but they're super Catholic. Wow. Um, it's the. I see angels. Are a- they about the archangels? Well, you know, it's Kinda? like a, there's an epic <laughs> battle between good and evil. <laughs> Um, I, I guess my question to you guys has to do with, with Catholic books for kids. Because mm-hmm. I think that if you go, first of all, when my kids were little, it was very hard to find yes. good stuff for kids yes. mm-hmm. um, that was Catholic in English anyway. Um, 
And then as they get, but then there were some other books that were really good for kids, but they were like for little, little kids Mm -hmm. where you teach them about the mass or teach them about the sacraments, but there aren't any like good stories for like the junior readers. So, but I guess you growing up, you wouldn't have had. Books like that, you mean? No, not, no, not really. No Catholic. I guess you were, (laughs) no, well, you weren't even Catholic growing up. No, yeah, I was not. But, but I I saw some uh, uh, like a magazine Uh for, 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 for teenagers. In Chinese. Okay. For Catholic. Well, yeah. and I, actually, we did have that. I've seen the magazines, but they weren't Catholic, the ones that in English okay. they were Christian, and they were mm-hmm. very good. Anyway, so we're going to be talking to the author. It, the, these books, the Golden Knight series, were, were are written by a father and son author no team. Way. Yeah, wow. Stephen and Justin Clark. Stephen's Aww. the dad. Justin's the son. Justin, I believe, is in high school. But oh. they started writing the books when he was in middle school. So that's kind of kind of neat. Uh, we're going to learn all about The Golden Knight, The Golden Knight series coming up. That's going to be in about 25 minutes. And then at the end of the program, we have a new singer-songwriter. We do? Is it? Yeah, you've Who never heard of Michael Corsini, I'm sure. No. So Michael Corsini. Actually, I'd... I'm his best friend. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) We are all quiet. Michael Corsini is his music is really, really, really good. Um, Really enjoying his music, Um, and he's also an artist, so he paints. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about his music and a little bit about his art and his ministry. Um, I'm just going to give you a little teaser because he had this job at uh, in Washington, Mm -hmm. and then quit his job. Whoa. Sold the house, moved the whole family Whoa. to do full time ministry. Oh, seriously? Yeah, that's wow, that's, that's a lot brave. of trust that's in, and brave. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to tell us how he how he did that. So that's Michael Corsini coming up at the end of the show. Um, should we let Emily go before we make a big announcement? Uh, <gasps> what? Well, we can have Facebook Live, so you might want to know. <laughs> Oh, that should we make a big announcement about Emily? I think we should because Emily has a lot of fans. <laughs> Emily, Emily, show the camera your ring. Wow! <laughs> so it's em- real. <laughs> it's, Emily, how do you know that? Em- <laughs> <laughs> Emily, I mean, it's real. It's happening. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's real. It's a real ring, and it's, it's really, happening. And it's really happening. Emily and John are engaged. Congratulations! Yes. Thank you. So you can send all your congratulatory. <laughs> Yeah. And, and prayers yeah. to at Emmy Callan. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Okay, so so fun. Uh, thank you. So uh, let's end with a song or begin with, a, begin, song. with a song. Let's begin yeah. with a song. Here's uh, Michael Corsini with Waiting in the Wound. Not Womb, but Wound. Mm-hmm. Waiting in the Wound from his album Wellspring. of wheat that falls on my waiting land And you are precious coin that I let slip from my hand And you are the pearl of greatest price on my ocean floor You are mercy waiting just beyond my
That was Michael Corsini with Waiting in the Wound from his album Wellspring. And we're going to be speaking with Michael Corsini at the end of the program. In about five minutes, Emily will be here with her new segment, This Place. But first, here's Matteo from Rome with our news. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Matteo. Good to have you back. Hello, Pedro. I'm very happy to be back. So there was, there was a big announcement this week. I'm sure a lot of people maybe already know. Big announcement. Well, there was a big announcement for sure. Uh, I would say that there were two important news. Okay. One is about the apostolic exhortation. Yes. And the other one is about the the new uh, Pope trip to Malta in May. Right. But uh, for sure, we so, can say that the post-synodal apostolic exhortation was the main news of the week. Big announcement. So the post-synodal exhortation on the Synod of the Amazon, the Pope wrote a document. Tell us about that. Yes, because Wednesday morning, the post-synodal apostolic exhortation, Querida Amazonia of Pope Francis, was presented at the Holy Cypress office. Uh, this is the outcome of the special assembly of the Synod of Bishops for the Pana Amazon region, mm-hmm. which took place at the Vatican last October. Yes. Uh, this document is composed by four chapters, 110 paragraphs. The apostolic exhortation begins with the following line. The beloved Amazon region stands before the world in all its splendor, its drama, and its mystery. Mm-hmm. And uh, the document traces new paths of evangelization and care for the environment and the poor. Uh, Pope Francis hopes for a new missionary trust and encourages the role of the laity within the ecclesial community. Mm-hmm. In the document, we can find a social dream that the Amazon region can become a place of dialogue. But we can also find another important point, an ecclesial dream, the accessibility of the sacraments to everyone, especially for the poor. Right. You know, I think, Pedro, that what we have to underline is one point, one main point. We have to remember that the destiny of the Amazon affects all of us, Mm -hmm. because everything is connected, and the salvation of this region and its original people is fundamental for the whole world. Mm -hmm. This is what we really have to remember, because uh, when we think about the Amazon, we think that it's a place, a region of the world, far, far from a lot of people, but that's not the reality. Right. Because what we can find there is something that is about all of us and is affecting all of us. 
Yeah, I think that's important to, to note. What I think is that that's an important document. People should read this document. Uh, you know, a few people, a few journalists were thinking about other kind of controversial points, but uh, it's clear that the Pope wanted to focus on other things and something more about pastoral things, ecclesial yeah. dream, and the point, the message is what I said before, that we have to think about Amazon like something that belongs to everyone. Yeah. Good. Yeah, actually, there's nothing controversial about this document. People were expecting all kinds of things, and they were, they were mistaken. Um, good. Exactly. So I encourage people to, to read it, and it's easy to find. Just just look it up online, Querida Amazonia. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and you said the Pope made an announcement. He's gonna going on a trip. Yes, because this week was also announced the next apostolic journey of the Holy Father. Pope Francis will visit Malta and Gozo on May 31st. We don't know the program yet, because it will be published at a later stage, but he will be the third pontiff to visit the Mediterranean island mm -hmm. after San John Paul II in 90, 1990 and Pope Benedict in uh, 2010. Right. So for the third time, a, a Holy Father will be in Malta, and for sure there will be uh, an important connection with the migrants team and this kind of uh, topic. Yes, good. So that'll be May 31st. I'm sure you'll be able to watch all that uh, coverage of the visit on Salt and Light t TV. So we'll we'll give you updates as we get closer to that. And uh, I'm sure we'll have Matteo back with us even before then. So Matteo, thank you for that update on, on the exhortation and the Malta trip. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Pedro. It's always a big pleasure. Thanks. Matteo Cioffi, our Rome correspondent. You can follow him at Matteo Cioffi. Coming up is Emily Callan to tell us about her trip to the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie and then Billy Chan with a question about communion. So don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Emma Fred, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You may be listening to the Salt and Light Hour on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM, but you can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast, and you can take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for This Place with Emily Callan. Hi, Pedro. So <laughs> it's good to have you with us. Um, so you went to Sault Ste. Marie and you discovered something that you weren't expecting. Yeah, so um, we spent about eight days in the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie filming an episode that's going to be airing in April. Mm -hmm. And uh, we spent two days on Manitoulin Island. Now, for those of you who don't know Manitoulin Island, it's between Georgian Bay, Lake Huron, and touches just kind of touches the beginning of Lake Superior, you know? Um, right. Actually, no, not even. Sorry, I'm mistaken. <laughs> but anyways, it's... Uh, it's the largest freshwater island in the world. Did you know that? Manitoulin Island? I didn't even island, know that. Lake Huron, yes. There you go. There you go. I didn't okay, know that. so you were in Manitoulin. Manitoulin. And um, there are uh, several native reserves um, mm -hmm. on Manitoulin Island. And there's one called Wikwemikong, which is an unceded territory. Mm -hmm. And um, there are four Catholic churches... Um, and uh, Jesuit priests who live on the island and also mm -hmm. in Espanola, so not too far from Manitoulin Island, uh, serve those um, parishes, those communities. And one of the things that I discovered on Manitoulin Island that is unique to the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie is this 
DOS program is what it's called. So Diocesan Order of Service, um, which was created um, because there was a shortage of clergy and priests. Now, this was about, you know, 20 years ago. Okay. Um, And so more and more women were the ones who were, you know, who were already very active in their faith community. And so because of this, um, they, the bishop mandated the first six women in 2000, in the Uh year 2000, uh, to become DOS. And so um, they essentially serve their their communities. So okay. uh, when you know a priest is unable to to go to uh, to distribute communion, they will do it. Um, they will go and visit the sick. Um, they can even baptize yeah. if you know that's impossible for a priest to do mm-hmm. it at that time. They um, they do kind of oversee a lot of funerals. Okay. The only thing that they can do is. Uh, or or consecrate, or, or yes. consecrate right? Yeah. Exactly. Preside over marriages and ordinations yeah. and consecrations. So or it w- confession. Or or confession. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. Now, exactly. So yeah. so just to clarify yes. or, or to ask the question. So they're mm-hmm. not they're not ordained. They're exactly. not priests. They're not functioning as priests. They're no. just doing the things that a lay person can do. Yes. That are that are pastoral yes. in nature. Yes. yes. Exactly. Right. And so they're yeah they're not deacons. They are they're not ordained. They are mandated. Are they Sorry, but they're not consecrated either. So they're not they're married consecrated. Married women, they're not married women, and in fact, they, uh, so when you say that they're mandated, is it like they've been appointed? They've been yes, commissioned, commissioned is, okay. by the bishop. Okay, yeah, exactly. So there's usually a, a special ceremony, and they they become uh, they're commissioned now. And in fact, um, I'm talking a lot about women. Originally, this was created uh, for women. It was called the Diocesan Order of Women because women were accompanying their husbands who were becoming deacons. So I they see. were participating in the program, and so they were given kind of a special role, Mm -hmm. diocesan of uh, order of women. Now, we spoke to um, this one woman called Rosella uh, Kanishameg. She's one of those uh, women in the year 2000 who was first mandated to do this. Um, So, you know, she's been around for a long time. And uh, um, I asked her, well, is there like a similar movement of the DOS, maybe not formally, in other parts of of Canada? I think it's northern Saskatchewan and uh, is it Yellow Knife, that area, um, that are they're having more lay people involved in the church, eh? But I don't know if they have a, a program, yeah. And I know in Thunder Bay, because Father Jerry goes to Thunder Bay now, once in a while, uh, Father Larry Croker was working with a group, eh? And I know he had two men that were uh, ordained, that ordained two men as Deacons, eh? Yeah. And then there were some women there. Um, but I, I don't know if they were mandated. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I don't know. Maybe they were. Mm-hmm. So that was Rosella Kanishameg. She is a DOS, Diocesan Order of Service, for the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie on Manitoulin Island. And you can hear uh, more about um, the DOS. So actually not in this place, but in uh, in Behold. Right. Um, and so uh, when that episode airs... Uh, you know, soon. Yes. Um, but please watch this place uh, in the Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie in April. That'll be April. That'll be April. And uh, you'll Perfect. get to see more of what we did on Manitoulin Island. There you go. Thank you, Emily Callan. Very interesting. Emily Callan is a producer of uh, her program, This Place, where she visits dioceses across the country. You can watch the full program at saltandlighttv.org slash this place. The other show she mentioned is Behold, another program that we do uh, here at Salt and Light, saltandlighttv.org slash Behold. Um, and you can follow not just Emily's adventures, but all our adventures. You can follow Emily at Emmy Callan. 
and on Instagram at emily.callan. Coming up is Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hi, you're listening to Albert Smells, and I'm the lead singer of the Dutch band Trinity, and you're listening to the Soul to Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so it's really easy to find me. But you can still reach me the good old-fashioned way. Send me an email, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan. And today we have Emily too, right? Emily's, yeah, Emily's been sticking around, listening to the program because she misses I just, us. I just, you know, I don't get to be with you guys a lot. <laughs> I'm kind of glad you're here because I'm yeah. scared of this question. This question is... Uh, actually, a lot of people are asking me this question. Yeah. And I do not really have a, a, a good, good answer. I mean, mm. you know, we all know the basic answer, but uh, I think we should actually... Uh, dive in to, to right. check it. Okay, mm-hmm. and maybe again, our listeners, if you have a, a suggestion or an opinion or a thought about this, let us know. Yes. Um, so the question is this: You know, uh, we as a Catholic, we always go to get communion. You right. know, every Sunday. Yeah. And and we always heard about like you need to be clean. I mean, you you need to be mm-hmm. in a state of grace before receiving communion. Right. And the question is why. Mm. And a lot of people yeah. asking me, like, you know, the, the 12 disciples, uh, they, we do not know if they are in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in, in, a, in a state of grace before receiving it. So why do we need yeah. to have mm-hmm. this uh, before? I, I would say, and, and see, I'm glad Emily's here. See what Emily <laughs> thinks. I, I would say that the simple answer is that communion is about being in communion. With God. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in a, in a state where you can be in communion, so if you're in a state of mortal sin, yeah. and what sin does is that it, that it breaks that relationship, that communion, that is different than venial sin. Venial mm. sin just kind of damages the a relationship. Mortal sin breaks that. So if, so we need to kind of repair that. So using words like state of grace, I think, might be complicated, although uh-huh. it's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so that we can be better disposed to, to, have, to receive the full effects yeah. of the Eucharist. Um, and that's what St. Paul talks about um, when he talks about, you know, if, if anyone receives the Eucharist uh, and they're not in, in the right state, it's on them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what you think, Emily. I, no, I mean, I think that's a really good way of explaining it because I, I know it's like, um, you know, I have a lot of people who've asked me that question as well. And you're kind of like, how do you how do you answer <laughs> that? Because, like, we, yeah. you know, we sin on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. And so and you're you know, some some people, you know, you don't always go to confession. It used to be that yeah, you went yeah. to confession every time you went to mass. Yeah, before yeah. you ma- you, before you, you went to mass. To mass yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And but, yeah. I'm not saying that that's that's a. Because I think some that people we should have let go, but you know now it's like not everyone. It's not a, it's not an obligation anymore yeah, to do that. No, I, I think well, it is with with mortal sin. Right. With venial yeah, sin, yeah, yeah. you don't Sorry, have to go to yeah. confession. In fact, at the beginning of mass, all your venial sins are forgiven. With mm-hmm. the Eucharist, all your venial sins are just receiving the Eucharist forgives your venial sins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people can 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 be the other extreme where they think mm-hmm. that they can never receive communion, mm-hmm. right. and I think that's just as bad. So yeah. there's like the two uh, the the tension that we think that we should receive communion, mm-hmm. and I. You know, I I be the one saying that no, maybe we don't don't have to always receive communion at mass, mm-hmm. although it's good that we do. Um, and then there's the other extreme, which is, I I should you know I can never receive communion right. because I'm such a sinful person. Well, you probably can receive communion mm-hmm. because you probably are not understanding mortal yeah. sin the way you know. And there's a and there's a priest who explained it to me once as like the difference between like the emotions that you feel 
towards yourself. Yeah. Right. So, um, be you know that the guilt that you feel towards like not being charitable or not kind of being right, right. Um, in a perfect state of grace. And so think that's kind of being over scrup- oh, scrupulous. scrupulous. Yeah. Right. So um, there's a difference between like feeling a certain way and feeling bad compared yeah. to actually having sin. Yeah. And when you think of it, so, so there's that, and this just in the minute we have left. So before children make their first communion or adults, they're not allowed to receive communion. So like what what state are they? Does that mean that they're not in a state mm. of grace? They might be in a state of yeah, grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if pe- adults that are preparing for RCIA, like in our parish, they leave after the homily, mm. right? Because yeah, yeah. so they're not ready to participate. Yes. And that's common. And that's what it used to be in the early church. Mm-hmm. If you were not in communion with the church, you had not been received yet, then you could not receive communion. Right. Um, and just to go back to the argument of the disciples, I mean, we don't know. There's an argument. I'd say forget about the disciples. What yeah. about Judas? Uh-huh. And it's not clear. The Gospel of Luke kind of implies that, that Judas was there. Because I think John, John is. Gospel of John is John a little bit clear. No? no, John doesn't have no, the last the, okay. the, the, the Eucharist oh, yeah. in his Gospel. Okay. But, jo- but Judas is there for the washing of the feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Like my tendency is going to be, you know what? Jesus and God can give his grace to whoever they want to, whenever they want to, in whatever way they want to. And God is not limited by his own sacraments. Of course, the sacraments are there for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying that we don't need the sacraments. We do need them. They're a help. But but God is his, God's action is not limited to the sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our limits. Yeah, and 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 I think too, um, the more that we grow in our faith, like the more that um, we we come into a closer relationship with God, then going to confession, for example, on a regular basis, and mm-hmm. and continuously, um, uh, you know, opening up ourselves to the grace of God. Yes. in our lives right and and then, then that the practice becomes becomes easier and yeah. also yeah. but more um, more natural yeah. and and it, it it's not something that becomes like a like a, a law way, like a, rule. a law yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. you're doing it because you're actually just wanting to be that mm-hmm. much more closer to God exactly and that's yeah, the yeah, point. Yeah. yeah 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 that's great yeah. that's great thank yeah. you yeah. Sure both. you're gonna, you're gonna have more <laughs> questions for us thank you billy thank yes. you emily uh, billy chan uh, webmaster behind saltandlighttv.org you can follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, Catholic Adventure Stories for Kids, and we meet singer-songwriter Michael Corsini, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. In the beginning, the kingdom was ruled by a wise and just king who ruled by the laws written in the ancient book. The people were protected by archangels and heroic knights. All lived in peace and prospered, but those days are gone. The book has been taken, the angels have fallen, the knights are gone, the people suffer. All that remains is the prophecy and a promise of hope. That's the premise behind The Golden Knight, a book series by father-son team Stephen and Justin Clark. And to tell us more, I am very excited to to be joined now by Stephen Clark. Stephen, welcome to the program. 
Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I tried to make that as dramatic as possible, as as okay. epic sounding as possible. Um, but maybe, um, and I, I, I think you're, you said your son Justin is, is there, so maybe we can have Justin join us in a bit. But because you guys okay. came up with the story, with the stories together, or how did you end up writing the books? Well, I mean, it actually started when Justin was a little bit younger, when he was uh, in middle school. Uh-huh. He's always been uh, an artist and creative and enjoyed superheroes and yeah. fantasy and and things of that nature. So he actually developed all the characters, and then he came to me. Okay. He came to me one day and uh, asked if we could write a story, and uh, that's kind of how it, it all it all got started, and we ended up uh, doing the Golden Knight series. And you wrote the stories together. I mean, Justin developed the uh, characters, and you. I, I primarily do the writing. He comes up with the plot lines okay. and, and the main storylines, and then I kind of fill it in. You know, fill in the gaps. Okay, is Justin there? He is. Can you pass the phone to him? I'm just wondering if I can ask him how he came up with the characters. Oh, absolutely. Hold on a moment. Hello, Justin. Welcome to the program. So you you were. Oh, thank you. In middle school, so what, you were 10, 11, 12 years old, you came up with all these characters? Were these characters that you had been kind of thinking about or, or playing in your head for years before? How did you come up with them? Um, actually, I was in a literature class when I was in sixth grade, and we were studying, like, medieval uh, time and whatnot, and, like, right. the literature that came out of that. And yeah. it really inspired me when it came to the knights and, like, the mythology behind it, and that was what kind of got the ball rolling with the Golden Knight and the mythology about it. And um, I was always super I was always super Catholic from, like, church and all right. of that. So we tied that in together with it, and that's what kind of gave birth to these characters. So your dad just said that he does he primarily does the writing, but you obviously came up came up with a lot of the stories when you were thinking about these characters. And maybe you should tell us a little bit about who the characters are. But when you were coming up with them, were you th- also thinking about what the story was, or were you thinking about like kind of this whole kind of Golden Knight universe? Um, when I was coming up with the characters, I pretty much had no idea what the story would be. Okay. I kind of was coming up with the characters and then making up the story afterwards. Okay. Okay, and your dad was helping you kind of formulate those stories? Mm-hmm. And how was it working with your dad, writing with your dad? Was he difficult to work with? Oh, no, he wasn't difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pass the phone back to him? Sure. I'm back. <laughs> so, so, so Justin says that you are very easy to work with. Is that true? You know, I... <laughs> I think he's actually. I think he's just being being very nice. Uh, I can be I can be kind of a perfectionist sometimes, and uh, uh, so I, I, there are probably moments where I, I was difficult to work with. In all honesty. Now, now tell tell me a little bit more about that writing process. We had a a, a mother who's also an author, a children's book author, uh, a couple months ago on the program. And she okay. actually is writing stories about her own children. And she said that she would, what she would do is she would kind of write a chapter and then read it to the kids as kind of story time at night. And that's how they kind of sort of came up with the stories. Is that something similar? Were you kind of going away and writing something and then showing it to Justin? Or would you guys talk about the plot lines together and then you'd sit and write? How, how was that process? Well, normally what we would do, uh, or what worked best for us, is we would sit down uh, together. We would discuss the characters. We would discuss some plot, but uh, you know, plot storylines, some potential uh, directions we wanted to take the characters in, and then we would work out an outline, a general outline of the story. Right. And then I would I would start writing the chapters, and as and as I finished a chapter, I would give it to him, and and 
you know, he would read it and decide if he if he liked it, if it was something that um, he enjoyed. And a lot of times, you know, we would, you know, the story would kind of take on, you know, a life of its own, and we would would move in in a direction that maybe we didn't even have on the outline. So right, yeah. that's that's kind of one of the things that that's fun about it is that it is a continuing storyline from book to book. Yeah, you know, you you start out with a general idea, but you may end up in a, an entirely different different place when you get all done with it. Yeah. So I, I started off the 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 segment by just kind of giving a little bit of a background, but that's really not what the story is about. That's kind of where the story begins. The 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 book has been taken, then the angels have fallen, the, the people are suffering, but there's a young boy that gets chosen, um, and that young right. boy is is named Justin. Um, right. Was was that <laughs> how, how much <laughs> how much of the the main character Justin is actually based on your son Justin? You know, I I would probably say quite quite a bit. I mean, I, I'd probably say about seventy five percent. Yeah, yeah. So so would you write things and then your son would say, eh, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, we we've had we've had some moments where you know I I would have an idea and uh, yeah he'd be like yeah I don't think that's very cool, Dad. <laughs> Let's do something different. And um, so we we'd go back and re, we would rework it and kind of go from there. And and particularly when when it came time to you know, actually sit down and design the characters and what they would look like and you know when we yeah. before we actually went out and got the illustrator you know there's a lot of back and forth on on things like that as well and what they look like now Justin uh, just told us uh, on the phone that he was always very Catholic presumably the whole family is you guys are Catholic was it yeah. was there a, a, a explicit intent to make the stories with a particular kind of faith message or I mean they're not hit you over the head Catholic but I mean you don't have to be right. you know it's, it's pretty obvious who the king is and the angels and um, and right. this kind of battle between good and evil so was that part of the intent right from the beginning on Justin's part? Yeah it actually was we, we when he originally was developing the the characters and the storyline some of it came out of you know his experience in, in faith formation at our parish and, and just trying to come up with ideas and, and characters that would be interesting to people in his age group, and we and we do right. consider the the books to be you know most appropriate for elementary to middle school yes. um, students, even though we do have you know people of all different ages that read mm-hmm. it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was primarily geared towards that age group, and and it was really was designed to be you know Christian, you know Catholic in in its in its uh, you know metaphors and allegories that are used throughout right. the books, yeah, uh, as a way of getting as a way of getting younger people like the middle school students or the elementary school students interested in kind of talking uh, about their faith. So so it always we always had the intent to do that. Yeah, now I'm going to ask you to, to pass the phone back because I, I know that you've um, the, the, you do the, the stories as a, as a theater play as well and both you and Justin play two of the characters. So I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you first but then you can pass the phone on to Justin. So I'm just curious to know what that experience is like and do you feel that in some ways does this, do the stories work better on stage? Like because I can I can picture them on stage actually. Yeah, I mean we we came up with the we came up with the idea of the of the live show as a way of 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 doing the doing the um, you know taking the books into schools primarily. We were uh-huh. originally doing just author visits, and we thought they weren't as interesting um, to the students as as actually bringing the characters to life. Yeah, and of we course. decided to do the stage show, and, and certainly there are things that are in the books and characters that are in the books that we're not able to do on stage. No. It's kind of a condensed version uh, of the storyline. Um, 
but that that's really the reason that that we originally went to to doing that that live show format is is to get you know to make the story interesting and again to to get students interested in reading and writing and, and mm-hmm. of course we always have a question and answer session after the show so yeah, they can ask course. us questions either about the about the books themselves or about you know how we go about doing the writing process so yeah um, but let me get you here let me yeah. get here with justin Let's see what justin has to say just curious about what it's like i mean there's one thing to come up with characters and 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 come up with storylines another very different thing justin is to actually play justin because that's the character yeah. you play i'm assuming um so what's that experience like for you um it was kind of um interesting at first because when i've never really acted in really? a play like that before okay and so when i was first doing it it was very nerve-wracking actually despite <laughs> this character that I created who is really in a way based on a lot of aspects of me personally. Yeah. But over over time I've just kind of embraced it I guess and and it's become like second nature to me. Right. So maybe just in closing and I'll ask you and then you can pass the phone on to your dad and I'll ask him the same question. What what is your hope for these books? What would you like uh, to be you know for the books? What's your hope? Well with the with the books I hope that one they can um, ignite a flame in children who read them and people in general who read them mm-hmm. to really read and embrace their creative sides. Okay. And also that when they read them, they take away the lessons that are in, in them mm-hmm. and go go forth and like be better people and make a better world. Good, good. Okay, pass the phone back to your dad and I'll ask him the same question. Okay. What What is your hope for the books? Uh, Stephen, well, I think our I think our long range long range goal is is to of course we're going to continue writing the books and uh, we do have um, three other series that that we currently do as well and we okay. and they're going to all be tied in together into the Golden Knight uh, universe that they all take part in and of course over over time all the characters will get together and there'll be a climatic ending to it. Uh, we also you know as just as Justin was mentioning we want we want to make sure the books are are uh, you know, being presented to students and, and to young people in particular, and that uh, it's something that they something that they see as strengthening their faith, or renewing an interest in their faith, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know asking questions and exploring their faith in a different way. We've always kind of worked on the theme that uh, of all the books that, that the idea behind them are is that the, is that God has a plan for us in our lives, regardless of our age, and uh, to to look and and to look for that plan and and to accept it and and you know go out and make a difference in in the world. So that that's that's really what we want to do. I mean, we want to make sure the books have a positive impact on people, and we want to continue to um, you know expand beyond the books themselves with the characters. Right. I mean, we talked about doing you know we've talked about the live show that we yes. do. Um, you know we you know we've we've discussed before the idea of doing a, a television program yes. uh, based on characters. Um, and you know, just get them in front of people and use it in a positive way, so people can, yeah. like I said, explore their For faith. Sure. I mean, we've always been we've always been concerned about uh, the idea as, as people go grow older, particularly the younger uh, younger kids as they grow older and, and go into their teen years or even their young adult years that they, they, in a lot of cases, they may lose some of their faith or they may walk you know back away from their faith. Uh, we we hope this is something that keeps them interested in their faith and and 
and keep that message you know going with them yeah for sure and I think they will they will absolutely do that so there's three Golden Knight uh, books so far there's probably more to come but as you said there are other books and all that can be found at the website the jcmultiverse.com. I'm going to put that uh, site on our on our website, saltandlighttv.org, so you can find it easily. Stephen, Justin, thank you for joining us uh, today and telling us about the Golden Knight. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate the opportunity. God bless. Stephen and Justin Clark are the father and son authors of the Golden Knight book series. You can purchase the three Golden Knight books and their other books anywhere that you get your books, but also at their website, thejcmultiverse.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Michael Corsini, with You In Me from his album, The Wellspring. I find you Make my heart I find emptiness is your refuge. Make my heart for you and you alone. You and me give life to my body. was Michael Corsini with You In Me from his album The Wellspring. 
Michael Corsini describes himself as a husband and father primarily. But he has also been an artist, musician, speaker, and retreat leader for many, many years. The art and music that he makes is an extension of his family life. He just released his fourth album, The Wellspring, that we've been listening to. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Michael Corsini from his home in Pennsylvania. Michael, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, thank you very much. It's so good to meet you. So, um, were you always Catholic? What was it like growing up for you? Well, no, I actually am a convert. I came really? into the church in 2002. Okay, wow. So you did you grow up in a in a in a home where there was faith or no faith at all? Um, I would say we went to we were of we were Lutherans and we went okay. to church occasionally. We weren't we weren't necessarily Sunday worshippers. Right. <laughs> every right. Week. So obviously uh, something happened. Were you was that a an adolescence thing or a young adult thing that that you found the Catholic Church? It happened actually as I um, graduated from college. I had a few things that had happened to me that caused me to start to start to sort of right. evaluate <laughs> my life, you know, yeah. in, in the big picture. Yeah, Were and um, I met some uh, some Christians on campus that really kind of led me to uh, the scriptures. Okay, and from there it was it was uh, it was a matter of me, you know, experiencing uh, the Lord through His Word. Mm-hmm. and um, hmm. also experiencing the Lord through music for the first time in my life. Okay, but, but were, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, were you already doing music and art? <laughs> I was I was, I was, was in art school up until, you know, um, okay. until that point, but I was also a musician most of my life, and, and at that point I was actually a musician playing primarily like rock music and right. punk. Right, secular music, yeah. That, that sort of thing. Okay, and then... Did did that you said that you had kind of an experience of of religious music or sacred music? Um, did did you think, oh, I I could be doing faith based music, or was that something that kind of happened afterwards? It happened actually kind of naturally when I was going to the the little Bible church in yeah. my home. Yeah, it was the first time in my life that I had actually experienced people praying with music or praying wow. to the Lord through music. Wow. Uh, you know, having been a uh, Lutheran, I'd been, you know, accustomed to hymns and that sort of thing. But yeah. for some reason growing up, I never really I never really got it. I never really understood that we were speaking to the Lord. Right. You know, until I had gone to this this little Bible church and we huh. were literally praying and speaking to the Lord through the songs. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Now I I know that the I'm, I mean maybe I'm fast forwarding here, but a, a lot of a lot of that change eventually led to a major change where you kind of even uprooted your family from were you in Washington and you moved to New York and then you ended up now moving to Pennsylvania. Tell me a little bit about that change. Yeah, that's right. So um, I had I had been working for the Knights of Columbus at the John Paul II National Shrine. In okay, DC, okay, yeah. Which is a very beautiful place. Of course, yes. And all along, I had been doing music for retreats and for holy hours and masses, but it was something that was, you know, I was doing occasionally because I had my nine-to-five job. Uh-huh. But my wife and I, very, you know, early actually into my work there with the Knights, began to experience in prayer something of a deeper calling that, it was possible for us maybe to serve the Lord more fully and 
be able to um, play music and create works of art full time for the Lord. So I kind of uh, <laughs> I kind of kicked against that for a, a several years because I was terrified, you know, of leaving yeah, my of course my you know my four hundred one k and all that sort of thing behind. <laughs> yeah, and jumping into ministry full time for the Lord. But you know, we ended up selling our home and following the Lord um, to New York. Mm-hmm. And we lived in New York um, with my in-laws for several years while we kind of got on our feet. And the Father has just provided for us, I mean, really, I mean, to the point where now we just this past August bought our little homestead here in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. And I now have a studio here on on, on our property, which is just, just a beautiful... <laughs> Right. kind of synthesis, like you know, and a beautiful um, example of the Lord's provision for us. And yeah. it, it gives me so much more time with the children, which is, you know, one of our deepest desires. Yeah, of course. How many children do you have? We have five children under the age of eight. Wonderful, wonderful. That keeps you busy, I'm so sure. Um, if anybody's tuning in at this at this point, you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We're speaking with uh, singer, songwriter, and artist, Michael Corsini. So, uh, is there any connection, Michael, between your music and the art, or do you see those two as separate uh, separate media? I'm seeing them more and more as something that belong together. I found mm-hmm. that um, that my artwork is it's coming from the same place, and it's it's got the same um, motive, which is primarily healing, renewal, evangelization, mm-hmm. and um, so I found that one of the most profound things, at least in my experience, was to bring my art into uh, parishes okay. and then pray uh, holy hours, you know, with music and, and maybe evening prayer um, hmm. and before the images in, in, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Interesting. And, um, so I'm finding that there's a there's there's a great synthesis that's beginning to happen there between the art and the music. Yeah, I which uh, I am just kind of newly discovering. Um, you have some really fun, I, I think. If I uh, sorry, if I I think they're fun kind of renditions of of the saints, um, that that I I found refreshing yet maybe a little unusual. But maybe that's why I found them refreshing. Um, tell me about those. Is that how you see your art? I mean, or I mean, I don't know if there's there's other different types of of uh, of uh, uh, paintings or that you do. Um, but tell me about the the saints. Particularly, I can think of the Saint Teresa of Avila laughing in the mud in the rain. Oh yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. That was for a, a children's book as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because so, they they have that scent, that feeling that it's almost like children's drawings children's painting. Right, exactly. So I, I'm also um, working very frequently as a children's book illustrator. Okay. So that's what you were seeing there. So I, okay, I, so I produce sacred art and also children's okay, so book you have, illustration. Right. And they're they're both uh, important, I, I suppose, because uh, we, we got oh, to evangelize everybody. Yeah. It's, it's so def- it's so <laughs> important to to make, um, make the gospel clear to children, yeah. you know, and to really grab their hearts and their attention, you know, through that, through the medium of art, really at a a, a young age. There's so much, uh, you know, in the world vying for their attention and for their heart. Yeah, I know. And so my my hope is that my art, you know, um, is, you know, is is like a vessel for the Lord to, to... 
speak to them. Yeah, your art and your music. Now, the Wellspring, which is the album we were just listening to, the songs we've been listening to are from that album. It's your fourth album, correct? Um, yes, that's right. So, my first studio record, but my fourth record, my fourth album. Okay, and and do you feel that there's anything like I'm this? Just, studio, this this record was recorded at a professional studio in okay. New Jersey. Okay, and I had an entire band. Oh, yeah, on this record. No, which is, it, it which is, sounds great. Uh, the number one difference. Okay, so that would have been. Um, and uh, the Wellspring. What is there a significance to the title? Um, it's really, I consider the Wellspring, you know, it's the title track on, yes. on the record. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, I think that, um, the, the song, the Wellspring for me has, you know, a deep significance. It's, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a biographical song you mm-hmm. know, for me where I had to learn to, um, trust God, <laughs> even though I found in myself you know, no strength or sometimes no courage to live the Christian life. Mm-hmm. I had to trust God working, you know, even deep, as I say in the song, you know, beneath the stone, it's my stony heart, Right. that he was, he was somehow making himself present there. He was renewing me yeah. and, and bringing, you know, forth that, that water of, of a uh, new life in me. Yeah. So I, I consider the wellspring sort of the, the uh, I don't know. I guess you could call it the the um, the thesis of this little record. Right. You know, it it, uh, it sounds to me also. I mean, it's a great image because you know how do you sustain? You you left everything, trust completely, and and you're being fed from this wellspring, and we all are. We just need to trust it, and you've done it. So thank you for for taking that leap and telling us a little bit about it to us today, Michael. Oh, you're welcome. It's my joy. Um, so we expect to hear more from you so we have more uh, uh, reasons to bring you back on the program, all right? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can learn more about uh, Michael Corsini, his music, and his art at his website, michaelcorsini.com. Here now is Michael Corsini with that song that we were just talking about, the title track of his latest album, The Wellspring. A heart made of stone is what I confess A parched and dry land You search and you bless Where are your rivers And where are your streams I am tired and weary Of searching for these Show me
We're listening to Michael Corsini with The Wellspring from his album of the same name. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org. That's also where you can learn about all our featured artists and guests. And remember that you can subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and now on Spotify. If you want to reach me, I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and also on Instagram. Thank you for being with us this week. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>